Let's pray. Let's pray this morning. Father, God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to hear from your word and to study your word and to uh, apply your word this morning. God, I pray that all of us would hear your word and uh, just be humble enough uh, to, to apply it to our life every day. Lord, you give us the opportunity to be on mission with you. You don't need us. But you give us the chance, by your grace, to be on mission with you. Lord, I pray that this morning we would hear your word and uh, just relish in that opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, it's been a privilege this summer to be able to have the opportunities to speak and preach um, while I've been on break. Uh, but I do go back to Dallas next week, um, so I ask you to pray for me. Um, this semester is going to... Uh, I. I know it's going to be a very stretching and hopefully maturing uh, semester. Responsibilities are going to be added to me, and so I, I just ask that you pray for me. Uh, the first year was good. This year is going to be harder, so uh, please pray for me. But this summer, while I've been on break, uh, I've been taking an online class, and this class is simply called Evangelism. And... Uh, through its, its reading and practical assignments, um, they've really reminded me that a great deal of obedience and energy and encouragement in living the Christian life comes uh, not just through coming to church and, you know, getting our sin habits, our, you know, sins and bad habits under control, um, but it also involves joining up with God's mission being active in God's mission and desire of saving souls for his kingdom. And so this morning we're going to look at probably the easiest passage on uh, our mission as believers. We're going to turn to the Great Commission first, and then we're going to move on. We're, we're going to be a little um, scattered today. Key word for today is scattered, okay? Um, you'll see why. Okay, Matthew 28, verses 18 and 19 and we're only going to spend a few minutes here um, just to kind of set a foundation for where we're going. Matthew 28, verses 18 and 19. And this is Jesus giving the Great Commission, right? Okay. Uh, and Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Okay? It's a familiar passage. If you've been in church uh, any amount of time, you've probably heard this passage, read this passage many times. And if you've ever heard Pastor Lee preach on this passage, you know that in the original Greek text, the word go is actually a participle, and should be translated what? As you are going, right? As you are going, or while you are going, or even having gone, make disciples. And so God assumes that we are going. The command is not to go. Well, it's almost like an implied command. It's an implied command. The text gives this, gives this idea that based on the authority that Christ possesses, which he told us he had in verse 18, if we really believe that, we will live our lives with a purpose 
of making disciples. Like, like when a mom says, after you've cleaned your room, do your homework. Right? <laughs> she might not have explicitly commanded you to clean your room, but you know what she meant. Right? It's definitely implied. She assumes you're going to clean your room first. So this is kind of what Jesus is doing. But the command is make disciples. How do we make disciples? By going, by baptizing, by teaching. While we are going, we encounter the world, and we have the opportunity to share the message of Christ. But that is not the whole process of discipleship, right? There's much more, and that's where the baptizing and the teaching comes in. But make disciples is the only explicit command in the Great Commission. Let us not forget that reaching others is the main mission that God has us on. See, for many of us, myself included, we can get stuck or caught up in our vertical mission of glorifying God, right? And we say, well, as long as I'm glorifying God, God is happy with me. And it becomes very individual, right? Um, but God, God wants others to glorify him too, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where our mission on earth comes into play. So we not only have a vertical mission of glorifying God, we have a horizontal mission of reaching others with the message of Christ. John Piper puts it this way. He says, missions exist because worship doesn't. See, our, our vertical and horizontal missions, they're connected. If we're doing our horizontal, excuse me, horizontal mission, the vertical mission is being accomplished as well. Because more people will be worshiping God, recognizing the greatness of God and glorifying Him. So my question to you this morning is, are you on mission with God? Do you have the same goals and desires that God has Namely, that others will come to know him and grow in him. And if you do, how are you actually following through on that? And a supplemental question I have this morning that we're going to take a deeper look at is, what happens when we neglect the mission that God gives us? And I want us to look at a couple of examples of how God finds a way to always get us back on track with his mission. Okay, so turn to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11. And this is the story of the Tower of Babel. And it's a story that almost all of us have heard in Sunday school. Hopefully this morning um, we can see that it's more than just a Sunday school story. That it has great implications for us as we live on mission for God. In Genesis 9, we have Noah and his family coming off the ark, right? And God gives them a command to be fruitful and multiply. Uh, Verse 7, chapter 9, verse 7, he says, As for you, this is God talking to Noah, be fruitful and multiply. Populate the earth abundantly and multiply in it. Okay, so this is a mission that God gives them. Their mission is to spread, have babies, spread out, and in doing so, the people of God will spread across the earth, and ultimately, God's glory fills the earth, because his people are on mission. 
And in chapter 10, we see that each of his sons have produced languages and clans and nations. Uh, chapter 10, verse 5, from these, the coastlands of the nations were separated into their lands, everyone according to his language, according to their families, into their nations. Uh, verse 20, these are the sons of Ham, according to their families, according to their languages, by their lands, by their nations. And finally, verse 31, these are the sons of Shem, according to their families, according to their languages, by their lands, according to their nations. So it seems like they accomplished the mission, right? But it took them a while to get there. Chapter 11 tells us how we got to chapter 10. Okay? Chapter 11 is kind of a prequel to chapter 10. Uh, like, like the Star Wars movies, right? Only not terrible. Okay? Like those movies. They were bad. Anyway. Um, so we, we come to chapter 11 to tell us how we got to chapter 10. It sounds backwards, but it works. Chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. Now the whole earth used the same language and the same words, but we just got done reading that there's a ton of different languages and clans and nations, right? But now there's, so, so we see this is, this is probably what's happening before chapter 11. The whole earth used the same language and the same words. And it came about as they journeyed east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. So we see the whole earth the whole earth. Everybody speaks the same language. Everybody's traveling together. Most likely, they're looking for resources to support all the people, which is why they've moved. Um, and they've come to a place that looks good, so they settle there. Verses 3 and 4. They said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used brick for stone, and they used tar for mortar. They said, come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into the heaven. And let us make for ourselves a name. Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Verse 3, they're, they're talking about making bricks. All right? They're, they're being industrious. Uh, they, they don't get to call up JBR and order a bunch of block, right? Uh, they had to make their own. And, and this is what they're supposed to be doing in being fruitful and multiplying and spreading. They would discover new things about the world and how to use them and continue to be fruitful and multiply. But they take it in the wrong direction. See, with this, with this ability to build, they decide to take it a step further. Notice in verse 4, everything they want to do is what? For ourselves. For ourselves. They want to build a city for ourselves. What does building a city accomplish? Accomplishes safety, right? Um, almost all the cities back then were walled, and so as to keep all the enemies out, uh, and, and you had control over who could come in and who could go out. Now, there's just a problem, is that they are the whole world, right? So there's no one coming in. Um, Perhaps they were guarding against animals or the dinosaurs. Who knows? I'll let that go. <laughs> um, perhaps they had invented an enemy in their mind. Perhaps they were just afraid of what the unknown that was out there. 
And so they want to build this city for safety. The city also provides a fixed location. They're able to get everything they need in one spot without, without the need for outside help, thus creating independence and self-reliance. Okay? So they want to build a city. They also want to build a tower for ourselves. What does the tower accomplish? It's a lookout point. They can spot their enemies. They can survey the land. They can see what's going on. Um, but it's also a tremendous monument to their own human ingenuity, right? It's for ourselves. Look what we've accomplished. Look how great we are. Look how great we are with this thing that we build that goes into the heavens. So they want a city and they want a tower, but they also want a name for themselves, a name for ourselves. Through this city and this tower, we'll be able to promote ourselves and they'll be able to look at what they've done and, you know, sit around and cheer for themselves and pat themselves on the back at these great things that they can accomplish and the reputation that they feel that they have earned for themselves. The whole purpose of this city and this tower and this name is all about independence and personal glory. Why? The text says because they are scared of being scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But if they were actually on mission with God... They were on God's mission of being fruitful and multiplying. They would have naturally ended up scattered over the face of the whole earth, right? They would have spread and naturally ended up. But now that's the last thing they want to do. They had gotten so secure in what they could do and accomplish and accumulate for themselves that they no longer wanted to be a part of God's mission. And we'll see how God handles that in a minute. But what does God think of this great city and this tower that supposedly goes into the heavens? Now, when you've heard this story in Sunday school, um, you probably saw the picture books that show this tower, you know, going up so high and there's clouds all around it. Um, And when we see God's response, we almost get the idea that, that God was scared of what these people might accomplish. They might build this tower so high that it might reach his throne room and he could, and they could overthrow him. You know, we, that's almost the idea that we get, but that we know that's not really what's going on, right? Let's look at the text. Verse five. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. The Lord came down, right? This huge tower that that they had built, God still has to come down to see it. It's not that big, which just goes to show that even the most tremendous things that we think we're capable of doing, they are tiny compared to what God is capable of doing. Verses 6 and 7. The Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have the same language, and this is what they began to do. And now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. And here's the part that, that confuses people in verse 6. See, it's, 
It's not the fact that they had dared to build a city or dared to build a tower. It's the fact that they were still one people, one nation, one language, and they were just staying in one place, not fulfilling the mission that God had given them. And if they stayed in that condition, they would continue to do whatever they wanted for who? For themselves, right? So it's not that God is afraid of these people or what they can do. It's that they had become so confident and so comfortable in their own abilities that they had neglected the true mission God had given them, which was to be fruitful and multiply and concurrently spread his fame throughout the whole earth. So what does God do? Verses 8 and 9. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of the whole earth, and from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the whole earth. So God steps in and confuses their language. And let me tell you, when you're in a foreign country and you don't speak the language, there's nothing more comforting than finding someone who speaks your language. Trust me, I've been in Cuba. I know, okay? <laughs> so, they, and what the people do is they stick with the people who speak the same language as them. And from chapter 10, we can probably figure out that, that it was the families that spoke the same languages. So they, you know, you, you're in a country where you don't know what other people speak. You want to find people who speak English. And so in this situation, they stuck with the people who spoke who they could understand. All right. And so, uh, God, God kind of forces a course correction for them as far as getting the people back on mission. God accomplishes his mission by scattering the people so they can get back to being fruitful and multiplying and spreading. God does the exact thing that the people were afraid of in verse 4, right? Which just goes to show you can't fight God's mission. You can either get on board and enjoy the blessings of being used by God, or you can fight it and make excuses for why you can't do it and lose. Either way, God's mission is going to go forward. But please understand that this, uh, this act is not God's vengeful or fearful act uh, for God to get back at these people for daring to try to build a city. Uh, it's an act of mercy. This is an act of mercy to restore mankind to God's plan for them, even though they had gotten off track. See, a lot of times we can read this passage and just say, oh, God's punishing them. But really, this is God restoring them in his love. Let's look at one more passage of Scripture and then we'll ask ourselves some hard questions. Acts chapter 8. You remember in Acts chapter 1 that 
Jesus tells the disciples that after the Holy Spirit comes on them in power, they will be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and where? The uttermost parts of the earth, right? So they were supposed to start in Jerusalem and end up all around the world. Sound familiar? But when we get to Acts chapter 8, everyone is still in Jerusalem. Now, maybe they didn't know the timetable for when they were supposed to start spreading out. Um, maybe they were just enjoying the growth that the church had experienced in Jerusalem. But God orchestrates events that spur them on to continue his mission. Stephen the deacon is murdered, okay, which triggers a whole heap of persecution on the church. And that is what gets the people moving. So Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death at Stephen. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Some devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentation over him. But Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house, and dragging off men and women. He would put them in prison. Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ to them. So not only does God introduce hardships in order to get the people moving, he also takes away their leadership. The people are scattered, but the apostles remain in Jerusalem. Perhaps they had become too reliant upon their leaders. Or perhaps they thought that they were not gifted enough to be able to pass on what their leaders had taught them. But God still wanted them to be on mission, to trust him, and so he scatters them so that other people can be reached with the word, right? Okay. So now we come to our application, and we, we must ask the hard questions of ourselves. Do you as an individual, do I as an individual, does Calvary Bible Church as a whole, have the capability and the tendency to want to shut ourselves in and ignore the rest of the world because we view the world as an enemy? Do we have the tendency to rely on our own abilities and resources because we're blatantly or unwittingly uh, trying to build monuments to our own successes, just like the people in Genesis? And do we have the tendency to lean on our leaders too much to do the work of reaching the lost? I know if I were honest about these questions, I would have to say that I am guilty of, of each of these to a certain extent. And so let's look at what's been happening around Calvary Bible Church. 
Calvary Bible Church is in a serious financial situation. Am I right, Brother Paul? Correct. But Paul's been up here for a couple of weeks saying, hey, we need money. <laughs> right? ECB has been shut down temporarily. Right? We hope. We hope. For some of us, ECB is how we said we were reaching the lost. We give money to it. We pray for it. But that's not there right now. Pastor Lee has had serious medical issues and has been taken out for a time. Praise the Lord, he's back. Right? And so now here's where I get really controversial. Is it possible that God is in the middle of lovingly correcting us and encouraging us to get back on mission with him, just like the people in Genesis and the book of Acts? Is it possible that we had fallen into a pattern of doing things just because they were expected of us or just because that's the way it's always been done? Or, or doing things to say, Calvary Bible Church is a successful church or a popular church. Is it possible that we had come to rely on Pastor Lee too much? And God took him away from us for a time so that we would be able to reevaluate how we are on God's mission and not just following a man. Maybe. But at least it gives us a chance to re-examine ourselves, to see if we are on mission with God. But we don't need to look at these challenges as, as failures or as signs that God no longer wants to bless us. Instead, we need to see, we need to see this as God lovingly refocusing our mission, the mission that we are on as Calvary Bible Church. Because God is taking away all of our fallbacks, right? The financial resources we used to use. Not there anymore. Right? So, is it possible that God is asking us to evaluate if we are truly on mission with Him and what He wants done in the Bahamas? He may be trying to refocus all of our efforts and all of our resources uh, so that we can get back to his mission, which is reaching lost people for Christ. Maybe he wants us to do things in a new way. Maybe things need to be a little more grassroots, right? Maybe things need to start bottom up instead of trickling down from the top. Right? Because we can do all the ministry that we think, that we think needs to be done. But if we're not on God's actual mission for us, we may end up scattered. Just like the people in Genesis and Acts. So that we do get back on His mission. And I think the principle is that as the people of God, we can scatter ourselves, 
and be blessed, or we can be scattered through hardship and trial. And we all know that there are lots of needs out there, and no one church can meet all those needs. But we can know what our mission is. What, what is our specialty supposed to be? And put all of our resources into that. And now, I, you know, I don't know what that mission is. And maybe that's where this message is weak. Um, because I'm, you know, I'm leaving and, you know, I'm sure Pastor Lee will have some ideas about what, what our mission should be. Um, but as we humble ourselves and as we pray, and as we fast, and as we read God's word, and as we seek his face, I believe that God will show us what he wants us to do. The question is, will we be on board? So let's use this period of adjustment to ask God what our mission is supposed to be, both individually and collectively. Ask God, what is my mission supposed to be? What am I supposed to be doing for you, Lord? So, and not only individually, but collectively as the incredible body of Christ here at Calvary Bible Church. Let's, let's not only be involved in the mission of glorifying God, the vertical mission, but also the horizontal mission of reaching out to the lost in the way that God has chosen for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time, for, for all the things that, that you are taking Calvary Bible Church through. Lord, we, we ask that you would just um, make it clear to us what our mission is supposed to be in reaching the lost. Let us not get comfortable in just preaching the gospel to ourselves to each other. Let's remember that you have a heart for the lost. Lord, I pray for, for those who, who don't believe, who have no opportunity to be on mission with you. Father, show them that it is only through faith in Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection that they can join your mission. Pray that they would put their faith in Jesus. God, let us not be stuck in the pew. Let's not get comfortable there. But show us how we can, show us what, what your plan is for us to be on mission with you. In Jesus' name, amen.